Uh, first of all, maybe some history on uh, why why you moved from Ukraine to Canada. You originally came to Morden, and so maybe let's just share a little bit of history on your Canadian journey in itself. Actually, it was my and my husband's decision to move to Canada. It's one of the best countries in the world. We moved because of the, not because of the money or something like that. We had a nice life in Ukraine as well. Uh, I had a nice job. We were nice paid. But uh, the problem was of the, um, some social um, problems in, in Ukraine. So like, you never knew uh, what converted for you next day. So actually, it was the main reason. Right. And, and how many years ago was it that you came? Four and a half years. I got birth to my daughter here. And so you had your baby. Oh, my baby. I got birth uh, last year in May. Her name is Nicole. Yeah. That's she was beautiful. born in Winnipeg. Yeah. And she's absolutely nice. Nice girl. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and is that why you headed back to Ukraine? I actually planned to visit Ukraine before COVID. And we had a ticket. And then COVID started all the plans. So we decided to buy a new ticket to visit our family. And of course, I wanted to show my, my beautiful baby to my parents and my parents-in-law and to my friends um, because I miss them so much. Unfortunately, I couldn't invite my dad here because he had a mini stroke, so it's very dangerous to, for him to fly. So maybe one day with me, I don't know, but I'm afraid if he uh, will do it by himself. Same story with my mother-in-law. And yeah. So you went out to Ukraine, and tell me a little bit about that time. When did you go, and, and sort of maybe the, the series of events that led up to you finding yourself in a... In a... Uh, we arrived in Ukraine on February 16, uh, 2022. Some Canadians asked me if I could see the prevention from the Canadian government on the serious side that would don't recommend to fly to Ukraine. And they, uh, I saw that uh, notice uh, somewhere in the middle of December, something like that. But I just want to explain why we didn't take that uh, notice seriously. Because actually we had the war for eight years. And what I thought, and probably like everyone, that if anything is going to be like the war or something more deeply, it's going to be on the same territory. Like the Ukrainian army were prepared for that. So I couldn't even imagine, I couldn't believe that it can be the reality in 21st century. Like, um, do you think that if I had even 1% of thinking that it like, can happen, I mean the war, could I bring my daughter there and myself? No, of course not. Of course not. So I bought the tickets and I was absolutely sure. I talked to my parents, I talked to my friends. Nobody believed them. So I said, oh no, it's like, uh, you, uh, it can't happen. It's 21st century. No. So that's why I didn't have any, even one small word about that. Right. So we flew with Nicole and Max should, my, my husband should come in two and a half uh, weeks later. After us. I arrived in Ukraine on February 16th, and everything was actually okay. And I stayed at my mother-in-law's house, 25 kilometers from Kiev. Uh, we have our own apartment in Kiev, but we um, uh, now it's in Lviv. So, like, um, my friend traveled from us. And I had an appointment on, on February 23rd in Kiev with my dentist. So I decided to took Nicole to show Nicole to her, and then to meet my friends and stay at my friend's place for the night. I took Nicole. Everything was okay. The day before the war was like a fair tale. I was so happy. Everything was so nice. I don't know. People just lived their regular life. Mm-hmm. In the air, you couldn't feel anything dangerous or something like that. Right, right. 
when everything started, I was at my friend's apartment with Nicole, and it was four, I believe it was 4.30 in the morning or maybe around 5. Um, my husband started calling me, like, all the time, all the time, and I couldn't understand why he did it. Does he understand that it's early morning here in Kiev? So I didn't pick up the phone a couple of times, and, th- and then I picked up the phone, and I was a bit angry because I said, you woke me up. Are you okay? It's like 4.30. And he said, you are where now? I said, I'm in Kiev. And he said, take Nicole and run. I said, what happened? He said, the war started. I just uh, listened to the Putin speech, and he said that they will attack Ukraine now. I said, are you crazy? I, I can't hear anything. No, like nothing like that. Cause I couldn't even imagine how the war should start. For me, the war is like, um, you have to, to hear sounds everywhere, like the, the bombs and everything. So like in movies, right? Mm-hmm. I said, okay, okay, I will run now, okay. And I just uh, finished our conversation and continued on my sleep. And probably in 20 minutes and maybe, I don't know, some, around this time, I heard the rocket or bomb explosion. And that sound I will remember for all my life. Because when I like, faced this town before, and I didn't know how that, but it's like the, the walls shakes and everything, and the biggest problem that everything in your body started to shake. And then you understood that, oh my goodness, he was right. I mean, my husband. Yeah. And then my father-in-law started calling me, where are you? I said, I'm in Kiev. He said, what are you doing there? You have to, to run. Of course, my friends, they woke up, and actually, even those times, we didn't take that so seriously, like, oh, maybe it's going to be just one, one time, and they just come down or something like that. They started to pack their things, and I started to prepare and call for go out. And of course, it's hard because my friends, they had the small babies as well. Nicole, she's just nine and a half months. It was very early in the morning, so like we started to we left the apartments and everything what I have to do what I had to do is I, I could take the subway to the um, subway station where I could take the bus to the city where my husband's mama lives. Mm-hmm. Because Kiev is a huge city and as what I saw on the streets, people started running. So like it was a chaos in some way. The subway was free of charge and I understood that it's serious things now happened. When I um, got into a subway, I understood that it's a panic. It was a panic. Mm-hmm. When I got the station which I needed, <laughs> it was a crazy, it was like a hell was going on on the station. Like I, everybody tried to get their bus. No bus wanted to take me with my uh, small baby and my stroller. But I had like a small stroller actually. And they said that it takes a lot of place in the bus so we can't take a stroller. They tried to take a taxi. That uh, The taxi said that it's a huge line and it's no priority for the uh, small babies. Everyone has a, a babies and kids. I just got in some bus. And I didn't listen to the driver, and I just got into and And instead of 25 minutes, which usually I spent to get that city, the nearest city to the Kibla, where my mother-in-law lived, we spent three and a half hours. Ooh. Nicole usually she's very calm baby. I didn't have trouble with her when I flew, nothing. But in that bus, she cried all the time. Yeah. Like, she felt probably my nerves, she felt uh, all this, like, dangerous uh, in, this, in the air from other people, I don't know, but she cried all the time, and I couldn't um, calm her down. 
And when actually I got the city, the name is Abuhi, what happened there, like there, people they didn't understand actually what's going on, because uh, the first of the, which city they started to bomb, it was kids. I understood one thing. When I came to my, my mother-in-law, I asked her if I have enough food, because, you know, that nowadays we, we don't have a need to have a ton of food, right, or something, because we have stores open all the time, so you can go... Anytime you need and buy everything what you want. So I just ask her if we need something special, like maybe canned meat, like nuts, um, chocolate, canned fish, something what we can grab with us, something we don't need to cook. And of course, I needed to think about the baby food and diapers. I went to the store and I bought everything what we needed. And people, they didn't have a panic yet that first day. But the next day, it was a nightmare. So the shelves became empty. People were buying everything, what they, even what they didn't need. It's a panic. This is the first days, and you, you don't know what to do. Yeah, you don't know how long it's going to last. Yeah, so like three, four days, it was empty shelves. And my mother-in-law has an apartment uh, near that building we had. So the Ukrainian soldiers occupied the school, like, uh, and they made the military base there. What scared me so much, because it was so uh, close, to the civil houses and buildings. So three, four days, I can say like that. You have a feeling it's a panic. Now I understand. But because of that panic, you don't know what is the right decision, uh, what you have to do. When it's Serena, my first Serena was like that. I grabbed like uh, three suits and I tried to get as much as I can because I thought that I would stay in that uh, bomb shelter for three days, for example, and I have small babies. And I didn't care about myself. I was cared about my daughter and my mother-in-law because mm-hmm. she's 70 years old. She has problems with her knees. She has a huge problem with her sense of ear. So first three days, I, I, I was shaked every time. We didn't sleep. Actually, we didn't sleep all the time, but first three days, I couldn't sleep at all. And the sound of a bomb or rocket, explosions, you could hear all the time, especially when it's night time. When it's daytime, it's come down. And when it's like after 6 p.m., uh, everything starts. Shelling, you can hear rocket and bomb explosions. What was like my alarm every morning and during the night, it's of course the fighter jets. I never heard this. I just could see this in movies and hear the sound. But when you hear this thing, it scared you very much because they flew very low. So, like, they checked the territory. You woke up all the time because of that sound. And even when I came to Poland and we lived near to Krakow, they have the airport. And it was just the regular one, board. I woke up because of the sound. And Nicole as well, of course. Yeah. After three, probably days, three, five days, I understood that all that sounds now for me like my normal life. Of course, it scared me, but not so much as my as first days. So I called to my dad and I asked if it's okay and I'm not a crazy because he's a soldier in the past. He was a soldier in Afghanistan and on Holocaust Africa. So he had a huge experience in that. And, and I asked if I am okay. And he said to me, totally. Mm-hmm. He said, my... my Sorry. It's okay. He said that it means that I have a strong and good uh, mental health because the biggest problem people have who has high um, level of 
Like tolerance or? Yeah, sometimes they can't control themselves and it means that they will not survive in, in when something will happen. And you have a chance to survive because we say like that, you have a cold uh, mind so you can take a right decision. So he said, that's totally fine. Just calm down. Try to take the correct steps and right decision every time you need because you're responsible for the baby and mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. My dad, he was staying, and now he he's staying there. It's a province board with Russia. So they occupied around the um, Russian soldiers. But that city where my dad is, they didn't touch yet because actually they, they sleep in there, eat in there, and buy food. I mean, the Russian soldiers. Mm-hmm. Of course, we have there like Ukrainian uh, government. So it's all the time like um, a street fight. fight as we have in Kiev, Kharkov, and everywhere. So my, my parents-in-law, they live near to Kiev. All my friends remember life in Kiev, and we have an apartment in Kiev as well. So, like, I know, I know exactly what's going on there. My dad, unfortunately, I didn't see my dad. I haven't seen my dad for four and a half years, and I didn't have the chance. Only 200 kilometers away between us, but we didn't have chance to, to get to each other because it, it was very dangerous. Yeah. After five or six days, like, I, I, I had a hope that everything would stop, but I could see that every day it was worse and worse. And what the Ukrainian army did uh, in Obuhi, where I was staying, they just uh, did more protection and defense of, of everything, and I understood they prepared for defense. So my mother-in-law said, you will have to run. Mm-hmm. You can't stay here anymore. I tried to connect with uh, Canadian Embassy because of the Nicole. I, uh, maybe they could provide me some evacuation flight or something or to help me to reach the border, but they texted me that unfortunately they can't help me. So I have to reach somehow by myself to any of borders, but Belarus and Russia, of course. Right. NAFTA, of course, will be safe, and uh, there are a lot of volunteers. And but the, the biggest problem was how to reach the border because um, in Kiev and around Kiev, and um, we didn't have a gas, enough gas. I mean, right? Because because all gas, which like uh, they provided, were more for army, and they sell to civil people twenty liters for one family per day. So it's not enough even to reach. I don't know to reach some city, yes, but not to run through, especially in this dangerous time. Plus, you should to think about that you could uh, drive only on daytime because till 6 p.m. you should uh, find some place where to stay because it was the government rule. In every city we had, like, time where we couldn't be outside for our safety. So usually it was, like in Kiev, it was from 5 p.m. to 8 a.m. We couldn't be outside. So we should to think about that as well. So like my, my father-in-law, he he found somehow the gas, like he asked people about the gas and he collected it like from one liter to, to five liters from, from someone. So we found the gas to to reach some some city. I, um, I don't want to actually uh, um, give the name of that city because some people, they still use that That's uh, fine. point. You yeah. know, and the government of Ukraine, they prevented us that please do not take any pictures, do not track on the videos, do not uh, take pictures with folders, do not tell even to your family where you are exactly. So like, you can say the province, for example, but not the, uh, the city or especially street or something. I didn't want to have anything in my cell phone. I, I never knew 
what can happen to us next second. Right. And if, for example, my cell phone is going to be in, in Russian soldiers' hands, how they can use it on all the information there, yeah. I, I didn't know. So, like, I just did what the government said. Good. So, yeah, but, um, so my father-in-law, he found the guest, and we started our trip from Abuhiv. And who did you go with? Who who went with you? Uh, it was my father-in-law, actually, the driver. It was uh, his mother, um, 92 years old, a woman. And it was me and Nicole and my friend. She called me two days before we decided to run. And she said to me, Yulia, please help me. Pick me up. I, I don't know where I am now. And some people, they gave me a shelter, but I didn't know that people. I, do, I, I have nothing. Help me, please, or I will do the suicide. Oh. And I said, Victoria, I don't have space in my vehicle. Like, I have just one seat. <sighs> and I'm there with Nicole, and it's like we have a grandma. She's on a wheelchair. Baby, almost 10 months. Me and and things. And I started to talk to my father-in-law. He said to me, Yula, we have no space. How do, you, how do you imagine we can take her? Where? Like I said, who will manage it? And she was in a very dangerous place near to Kiev. It was the faster when there was like, not the faster, it was the vessel called. And a couple of days ago, it was bomb attack. And it was all, all the time because they had there some old military aerodrome, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then the um, black oil uh, base. So they tried to bomb this. And I mean, the Russians. And of course, after that, um, the civil houses were crushed as well. So I said, I don't know, Victoria, because it's so dangerous for us. So I asked her to, to ask that people uh, where she was staying with to drove her like a bit uh, far away from that city. So they did this and we picked her up somewhere in the middle of, on the road. Mm-hmm. She was with us, and she uh, was sitting in the gap between the um, front seat and um, back seat where me and Nicole was sitting, were sitting. So, and we moved like that for um, one and a half days. So we did one, one stop somewhere, like, after the Zipomer. It's like a center of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. We should be that stop, because we shouldn't be outside. Yeah, we stayed in, in one city. Uh, for the night, and we continued our trip to the um, west part of Ukraine, where we should leave our grandma, because um, my father-in-law, uh, he had the, the nurses who could care about the grandma. Mm-hmm. What I can say that while you're driving uh, everywhere, you have the blog post with Ukrainian soldiers, so they checked your car, they checked your documents. If they needed something to check, they do that. And they showed you the safe uh, road. So if, if they know that that way uh, is dangerous, they will not let you go there. So, like, it helped very much. Yeah. And they were very, very polite and they were with the huge help inside power. So like, they said, no worries. Uh, they said to my father-in-law, you, uh, you're doing right. Just keep your, your women and baby in safety place and come back in five, six weeks. Everything's gonna be okay. Believe us, trust in us. So when we, um, got to the, um, the west part of Ukraine, it, it, it was a danger. It was the different kind of Ukraine because, uh, Kiev and central Ukraine and east, like you, you can't find even the road signs when you drive. 
it's like they they remove everything. And we we know and and we knew that a lot of uh, Russian soldiers and troops they were lost. Plus the Google Maps they helped Ukraine as well, so like they missed a bit the Google Maps as well. So sometimes you don't know where you are going. Even me, we lost one time, but we know Ukraine, so like we understood where we had to go. Plus minus, right? Mm-hmm. So when uh, when you drive to west part of Ukraine, it's totally uh, like you have nothing like it and if you see what they did i mean russian occupants what they did to their roads to to the cities that's very sad everything destroyed it yeah so west part of Ukraine, they still be okay block posts everywhere there as well so if people are ready but it's still been more quiet so we left our grandma um in one city on the west part of Ukraine, and then we started, we had a trip, and we started to move to Poland. And why did you leave her there? Because, uh, first of all, she's on a wheelchair, mm-hmm. and we had the nurses who could help her. Okay. So, um, my, my father-in-law, he had an agreement with them, so that nurses, uh, they worked on him uh, before war. Mm-hmm. So, we just came to them, to their house, actually, they invited us. Plus, he came back to Ukraine now, and he picked up their grandma already. So okay. He didn't plan to stay in Poland. Okay, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, so so you left her there, and you carried on towards the border. Yes. We stayed on the border two nights and almost a day in the car. So how long had you been traveling since you left your in-laws' house? A bit more than four days. So then when as you got closer to the border and you finally did see the border, what was that feeling like? First of all, we sat on the border two days and two nights, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was a long time. Nothing interesting, just a huge, huge line. Uh, you had it's it's a field around you and just two gas stations uh, where you could buy a coffee and tea, thank God, but no food. Oh, okay. And you couldn't even still get the gas as well because if you left your line, nobody will let you get in again. Uh-huh. And in every vehicle, uh, it were kids and babies, almost in every. So, of course, we were frozen a bit because we tried uh, to keep the gas. And uh, I was very worried about Nicole. We were very tired, actually. Um, sure. And and, exa- yeah. and mentally exhausted from the trip. I mean, you know, that's what I say. You've gone from hearing bombs. I understood the time, actually. I'm in safe place. Even, for example, I could say like that. I understood that every second I could be, I could be killed. We, we never know that exactly at this time. They didn't put on you a rocket or bomb. It could happen every time. Because they attacked you from Belarus side, from Russia, which could um, reach you even there. Yeah. So every time you could be killed. But I always had the hope that it's not the Nicole's war at all. She's Canadian. Yeah. Wow. And... um, I didn't want to think about that. Like, I always believed in if you think um, negative, you and wife negative, you know. So, like, I tried to think positively. I tried to not show her my emotions. But we were very tired, all of us. Sure. Yeah, we sat for a long, long time on the border. We were very tired. But actually, I can't complain, uh, Robin, because when you saw the women and babies and kids who just... Um, Past the border by walking, you know, 
you can't complain that you are mm, cold in the car. Yeah. When we crossed the border, of course, I understood that now everything is okay. Now we're in a place. My father-in-law, he had a friend in Poland. I actually met me, I had a friend as well in Poland, but he wanted to go exactly to his friend. And, uh, it was his uh, university mate. They haven't seen each other for 46 years. Could you imagine? <laughs> they invited us. They invited us to their house. They were absolutely nice uh, Polish people. I, I can tell them that I will be great, thankful to Poland and to all the countries who helped Ukraine all my life till the death. Because what they, what they did and what they're doing, uh, that, that's an amazing thing. It is. And, uh, yeah. So we stayed in Poland a um, couple of days. Yeah, that was peaceful place, nice people. I, I felt myself like at home, but unfortunately my, my mind, my, my heart. Sorry. It's okay. I can't imagine. And my dad, when I asked him, please come to me, and my mother-in-law and my father-in-law, they said never. My dad said like that, I will stay here till the end. And I will not give them my land. Who they are. Why they decided to come here and why I have to run. No. He said to me, no. And this is like that. Uh, I have a friend who originally from Russia who helped me, and uh, when they knew that I'm in Poland, actually I had tickets from uh, Frankfurt, from mm-hmm. Germany. Mm-hmm. But they said to me that you never want to buy for your tickets, so you can be in Canada earlier. Well, it's so shame that we're originally from Russia. So like I said, well, you don't have to buy for me anything. I have a ticket. And they said, please, we just want to help you. So I can say that it's not. it doesn't mean that you have to to spend, like, your money on me. No, I have everything what I need. But, I mean, this is the behavior. This is the understanding. For me, this is the most important. When, when you are staying with Ukraine, you understand that the war in 21st century, it's impossible. It shouldn't happen. Robin, me and my husband were Russian speakers in Ukraine because my parents-in-law, they immigrated from Russia 45 years ago. My husband was grew up in Russian family, so his native language is Russian. I was grew up in Ukrainian family, so I can speak Ukrainian and Russian easily, no problem for me. So with my family, I speak in Ukraine. With Max, we're speaking in Russian. Who discriminated us? I lived in Ukraine 35 years. If you don't know what we're talking about, do not tell anything. That's better. I just want to say that to stay with Putin and with his system... It's been the same killers, murders. You came, Russian soldiers, you came on my land, on my home country land. You killed my friends, my family. You destroyed our historical monuments, our civil houses and buildings. 
our infrastructure. And you said that this is a military operation and they didn't kill civil people. Are you really thinking like that? And I'm so sorry for that part of Russian people who are really understand what's going on and they, they're suffering as much as we are. I'm really sad. Yeah. And I understood how they feel. Unfortunately, it's just a smaller part of Russia, but we have that people there. So they have a hope to be one day a normal country. But I can say that my story is not the worst one. This is the light one, I can say. Yeah, it's, it's one that turned out well. We are so grateful, Yulia, that you made it out. Even now, my baby, she has a problem with her sleep. I tried to recover her. I got a kitten for her two days ago. Like, I tried to do everything, so, like, she's okay now. But I can imagine how other kids who really passed through them. I was with Nicole twice in bomb shelter, and I didn't wish to everybody to feel what not. It's like a grave, you know, like, of uh, hundreds of people. And you understood, if they bomb you now, you will die here immediately, because it's no air, like, nothing. And then I decided do not do not run to bomb shelter because I need 10 minutes. And my dad said, you it's very dangerous. You, the maximum you have is three minutes. After that, they will die. So yeah, just, stay, just stay on the um, stairs when you have the apartment. Stay on the stairs between two walls. Outside wall and the wall where usually the elevator is installed. So we usually stay there. So, But I can imagine what other people pass through. And, and the response that you've been seeing from Canadians, and I mean, I don't know if you know what's all going on from Warden alone with Evgenia. What are your thoughts on the response of Canada to to supporting and, and, and mainly, you know, your, your home province? I can tell them that, that Canada should do a bit, um, they, they do amazing things to, to Ukrainians, but I would like they... Uh, they're more um, fast in everything what they want to do, especially for me, it's very important it's no visas for Ukrainians, especially for Dutch Ukrainians who have a family here. For example, my dad or my mother-in-law, they didn't have a possibility and even one chance to get other countries staying there because they need to get that biometrical data. It's impossible for them. For me, it was much easier, for example, to buy tickets for, for them. And just they, they could just, for example, somehow reach to Poland or Moldova or some other countries and just fly here. And, and so, Tissy, you know, I don't know if you're aware, but we were at um, Diesel, uh, the sewing factory here in Morden, and there was a little boy who raised uh, $1,100 selling plants, mm. pods with flowers in them. Uh, you, wow. you know, they're, they're making the Ukrainian flags... Um, they're making the medical bags there. There's many things that, that uh, you know, individuals are trying to do. They're donating. The firefighters donated fire equipment in this area. You know. Well, Ben, I'm so uh, thankful. Like, um, I just visited my work um, yesterday. I know about all the donations. I know what Canadians uh, do. Uh, that, that's crazy, amazing. Friends from U.S. I knew they donated as well. So like I'm I'm so proud of Canadians. I'm I'm so proud that we are like I don't like what you can give. That's enough. Five bucks enough. If you can bring some clothes for babies, enough. Like that's nice that people are stand with Ukraine. That they they open heart for Ukrainians. They they try to understand. I I wish we never feel anything like that here and everywhere else. We don't have to. People have to love each other in this world, to help each other, but not the war. 
it's no reason, it's no sense like for that. Yeah. And yeah, of course, I I can say that I, I remember my feeling when I landed in in Canada. Yeah, I I can say that I I proud to live here, proud to be a part of this country, and I thankful for every penny, for every attention, for everything what Canadians can do for Ukrainians. So like that that's amazing, and I hope that all this will finish very soon, and we will rebuild our country. I mean Ukraine. Yeah. I know that. Everything's going to be okay. We're very strong. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Yulia. Thank you for going through that. I know that's not easy. I know that's draining to, to relive the trauma. Actually, that... I'm, not, I'm not crying like, okay. so much, but when I'm, when I'm just uh, started to, uh, to remember everything again, like, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's very sad. I can say like that. Thank you for sharing your story, Yulia. No problem, Robin. No problem. Um, Say hello to Max for me, and uh, I, yeah, I, Max actually he was very lucky to be here, and yeah, yeah. I I, I can't imagine what he was feeling. Uh, I didn't think actually about uh, that date about anything. I was happy that he is in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it, it sounds a bit selfish, but yeah, it was like that. When you finally saw him, when you got off the plane, what was that moment like? Uh, um, how to explain? <laughs> I was just happy. Yeah. yeah. Just happy. Yeah, that's great. But I'm I'm so happy that my my husband here and Nicole. She have just me. She has just me and Max in Canada. I'm talking about the family. Yep. So of course, her it's very important to have both of us. So that's why I'm very happy, and I wish all Ukrainian families there that they can one day together, because it's very important to have each other.